live. Yes, Mary Pierre. So. We are going to be summarizing a little bit more about emotional intelligence today. Um, what are its um, components? Our emotions and thus. Daniel Coleman, he divided emotion foundation stones and uh, emotional self awareness, accurate self as. Management and self management is really an optimism. A little bit tomorrow, but today. of uh, emotional intelligence and is going to explain to you in some detail got quite a collection of things to tell you And uh, we really want to be able to illustrate Thank you, Melanie. <laughs> so just before I start, I want to make sure that everyone shared the podcast this morning. So if you haven't shared, that's the time to do it. If you are on Podbean, it gives you heart. So at the end of the month, next week, we'll do the draw for the condi conditioning program. And if you are on Facebook, always add a comment when you share so people will know why they should listen to the podcast. Because yes, we have this big vision of building a thousand millionaire and how we can do it. It's with your help every morning when you share because it can help us to grow our community that always level up so yes the self-awareness and self-management for me when i read it the first time i thought it was about the same thing but it's really something completely different so self-awareness is being aware of both our mood and our thought about our mood so it's also the ability to read and understand your emotion as well as recognize their impact on others. It can simply be put by that self-awareness is a basic understanding of how we feel and why we feel that way. So the more we are aware of our feelings, that is easier they are to manage and dictate how we might respond to others. So there's two categories of self-awareness. So the first one, it's the internal self-awareness. So it represents how clearly we see our own value, passion, aspiration, fit with our environment, reaction, including thought, feeling, behavior, strength, and weaknesses, and impact on others. So we found that internal self-awareness is associated with higher job 
higher job and relationship satisfaction, personal and social control, and happiness. It is negatively related to anxiety, stress, and depression. The second category is the external self-awareness. That means being uh, understanding how other people view us in terms of those same factors that we listed. So our uh, the research show that people who know how others see them are more skilled at showing empathy and taking others' per perspective. So for leaders who see themselves as their employee do, their employees tend to have a better relationship with them, feel more satisfied with them, and see them as more effective in general. So for now, I want you to think the first one, so internal self-awareness. So if you think about it, this, uh, uh, this uh, ability, do you think you are uh, uh, from 1 to 10, where do you see yourself for internal self-awareness? So go in the comment and write from 1 to 10 for internal self-awareness. So how you see your own value, passion, aspiration. So from 1 to 10, how do you see yourself? And after that, the second category, so external self-awareness. From 1 to 10, where do you see yourself? So do you think that um, you understand how people uh, see you? and how they can um, talk with you. So from 1 to 10, how do you see yourself? So in total, yes, there's for low external self-awareness, high external self-awareness, there's low internal self-awareness and high internal self-awareness. So there's four quadrant. So if you are maybe low on both, you are the seeker, so you don't know yet uh, who you are and what you stand for. And But as a result, you might feel stuck or frustrated with your performance and relationship. And in the opposite, if you're high, high, you're really aware. And only 10 to 12% of people can really say they are uh, self-aware. So the high, high uh, external and internal self-awareness. So maybe if you are low on the internal self-awareness but high on the external you are the kind of people that is the pleaser so you can be so focused on appearing a certain way to others that they could um, you could be overlooking what matter to you so over time you tend to make uh, choices that are in the service of the 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 success of the other person and not yours so that gives you an idea where you can see yourself and now yes if you want to become more self-aware in the internal and external to make sure that yes you reach that 10 percent of people that is really high high on both external and internal self-awareness so how you can be more self-aware i found four points to become more self-aware so number one is ask what instead of why so when people assess their current state, emotion, and environment, they all too often ask why. Like, why am I feeling so sad? Why didn't my boss give me that feedback? Why isn't it my project going the way at home? Rather than asking why, uh, highly self-aware people ask what 
So what questions are more predictive and focus on objective and future goal rather than the past mistakes? So for instance, let's say you're feeling frustrated at work. Why am I feeling awful? Will likely only leave you a feeling more depressed, forcing you to ruminate or negative. On the other end, what are the situations at work make, making me feel bad guide you to recognize a factor outside your control that don't align with your passion or goal? So it helps you to strategize how to fix those situations. Number two, it's spend time with yourself. So it's not easy to reflect on yourself when you got the TV blaring, you're out to dinner with some friends, and you're glued to your phone. So give yourself the space and time necessary to self-reflect by avoiding distraction. So try spending time reading, writing, meditating, or practicing other solo activity to connect with yourself. So try to give yourself a 30 quiet distraction-free minutes a day. Number three is practice mindfulness. So you can do two and three together. Yes, it's a double and one. <laughs> I love it. So mindfulness allows you to be present with yourself and observe your thoughts in a non-judgmental way. So what better way to become self-aware than focusing non-judgmentally on you? So mindfulness will force you to focus on yourself, uh, on yourself on purpose in the present moment. So that's number three. Number four, it's become a better listener and ask for feedback. So when you learn to how to listen to your friend, colleague, uh, without evaluating or judging them, you will become more empathetic and understand people better. And listening, by the way, is in the same as hearing. Just like mindfulness, the practice of listening takes purpose and control. So listening to the important people in your life should give you a true sense of how they perceive you. And additionally, it's important to ask for feedback from people you work with or lead. It's impossible to have a true complete self-awareness if you only turn inwards. Gaining different perspective on who you are will help you to see a true, truer a more complete picture of yourself. So that's the four way to um, uh, develop your self-awareness. So I will let Melanie talk to you with a story. And after that, I come back with the self-management. Self-awareness or know thyself means that you've ability of what is coming and a straw feeling, uh, for example, with the crying baby. To be aware of the possibility that that could head into something way more problematic and be able to like head it off at the pass. So do something like sing a lullaby with rude words in, which makes you smile so that instead of going down the anger path, now you're going down a path where you're in control. So I decided to look up some stuff about... And it's a form of child abuse that occurs
Um, it, did you know that nearly four times every day Um, you might say to yourself, I would never shake my baby. Well, would you believe that the number one reason a child is shaking is that they lose control and shake them? Reason a person shakes a baby. This can be hard to understand unless you have been in the situation where no matter what you've tried to, to do to calm your crying infant, nothing worked. So in child development, all infants go through a state of the period of purple crying. And it happens between age two weeks and two months generally. And usually every, the, the babies are over it by about uh, four to five months. And, you know, we would often say to ourselves, well, how could anyone do that to a baby? And the answer is most people don't mean it to happen. Most people charged with shaking their baby have no previous history of violence. They are usually average people who, in the heat of their frustration and anger, lose control and shake their, their child. So, you know, it's all very well saying what it is, but how do you stop it happening? Well, as I said, you know, maybe you can do things like sing a lullaby, but the most um, important thing to do when you find yourself in a situation where you feel you're losing control, whether it's with your baby, whether it's with your um uh, children, whether it's with your husband, um, is to leave the situation, to make sure that you take yourself away, because that is a physical thing that you can do because you are aware that you're about to explode, right? We, we've all been there at different times um, or in a different situation. And the only way to control it is to take yourself away. Even if you just take yourself away mentally, like singing a lullaby with rude words, or like, like going into yourself, being self-aware, and maybe going through a mantra that you have, like we talked before about maybe counting from one to 10, because the distraction of those things can be have incredible power to save a baby from being shaken and, um, and having this problem. And these are the sort of things that I really believe in our education system. We should be teaching children how, what to do in the event that they feel themselves coming out of control. And, you know, I remember that, um, and, and now it makes sense to me, that uh, my youngest child, Susie, she pushed all the barriers for parental control. Like, you know, with the other two children, we could put them in the corner and they would calm down and then we could talk to them rationally and things would be good. But Susie, no, 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 she would not conform to our, I suppose, control of discipline. And, you know, what Susie would do is she would get herself so emotionally worked up that she would throw up, right, every time. And so uh, actually now I realize that what I was doing was imposing on her self-awareness because 
say, Susie, do not throw her. She wouldn't throw up ever. Why? Because. became aware that might maybe that phrase broke the cycle right don't say there 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 no, you know never mind like up and she never ever did when we did that so when i was reading this i was thinking oh without even realizing it i was breaking into her self-awareness for her to actually get re-control of the situation so um another situation where commonly there could be a rage so great that it gets out of control is driving we've talked to about it before with with road rage and you know once again you need to be aware of what you're doing so if you start to hear yourself oh that bloody idiot get out of my way you know you know that you're heading down the path of trouble and so um <clears throat> and and one of the um uh, indicators of that is if you have toddlers in your car or young children and you start to say those things sometimes Sometimes they will mimic you. And so, you know, that is like, oh, wait a minute, I'm getting out of control here, right? I, I can say that never happened to me, but I've had friends who told me stories. Um, but um, in, uh, I, I looked on an insurance site, Geico, and it explained what the most common reasons for road rage are, which are traffic delays, running late, um, anonymity that people feel like nobody's ever going to know who they are so they can behave how they like, um, disregard for others and the law and habitual or learned behavior. So if you drive badly and you have road rage, guess what? Your kids are going to do the same because it's normal. So they learn the behavior from you. So when you're driving, you need to know your triggers. You need to know what happens. And so um, maybe put on some loud music, right, which distracts you. Or um, make sure that you are not the cause of somebody's road rage by driving too slowly or not being aware. Or, you know, um, if, you, if your indicators are, are broken, make sure you use hand gestures so that you're not making sudden movements that people are not doing. Don't tailgate, right? Make sure that you're sort of further back to give you enough room to break if you have to. And don't get on the horn, right? There's nothing worse than having an idiot behind you who's pressing the horn flashing the lights and you are in a situation where really you can't do anything and neither should you because sometimes when that happens our response is oh i better move you move quickly and somebody in your blind spot bam there's an accident so you need to be able to deal with other people's anger and not let their anger get you out of control
So if you are in a situation where other people are doing that, stay away. I mean, often I've been in that situation when it's safe, I've moved out of the way and I've said, let the idiot go, right? It's their life, but you're not wrecking my life, right? And so those, um, those things can really be uh, important. And whatever you do, do not reciprocate. Make sure that you are self-aware that this is a situation. If you're being aggressed, don't become an aggressor. And if you're the aggressor, recognize that your behavior is spinning out of control and that if you don't put something into place to stop it, you could be the cause of a very serious accident. Um, okay, so hang on, I've got to get back to my notes here. So the bottom line in these situations is to be self-aware and make your actions appropriate. And if you and if you uh, find yourself embroiled in somebody else's situation, remove yourself as soon as you can. And if ever you think that you are being threatened to the point where somebody is following you, drive to the nearest police station. So um, that is is basically some examples I had of uh, self-awareness. Um, but now uh, I know that Marie-Pierre is going to talk to us about the... Um, uh, I guess more detailed uh, things involved with self-management. So over to you, Maria. <laughs> yes, it's really uh, confusing because there's the four domains and the twelve competencies <laughs> for all emotional management. So uh, emotional intelligence. So now the self-management is the second domain about uh, emotional intelligence. So the self-management or self-regulation that you can read somewhere can be defined as the ability to manage one's action without feeling in a flexible way to get the desired results. So this includes managing stress, delaying gratification, motivating oneself, and setting and working towards a personal and academic goal. So you can see students with a strong self-management skills arrive to class, prepare, pay attention, follow direction, allow others to speak without interruption, and work independently with focus. And you can see that self-control in, in children as young as age of five can predict important life outcomes such as the high school completion, phys physical health, income, single parenthood, substance dependence, and criminal involvement. When I read this this morning, I was a little bit shocked about everything at the age of five. So it's really something that we have to um, uh, teach to our children so the, at the age of five only, they can already predict it with their self-control. So optimal self-regulation will contribute to a sense of well-being, a sense of self-efficacy, our confidence, and a sense of connectedness to others. So there's four competencies that you want to know about the self-management. So self-regulate is the ability to keep your destructive emotion and impulse in check in order to maintain your effectiveness under stressful or even hostile condition. Positivity, the ability to see the best in people, situation, and events so you can be persistent in pursuing goals despite of setbacks and obstacles. The third one is achievement. 
That means that you strive to meet or exceed the standard of excellence by embracing challenge, taking calculated risk, and looking for ways to do things better. And the fourth one is adaptability. You can stay focused on your goal, but easily adjust how you get there. You remain flexible in the face of change can, uh, of change can juggle multiple demands and are open to new situation, idea, and innovative approach. So now that you know what is the competency that you want to learn to really uh, improve your self-management, there's nine tips to sharpen your self-management skill. So number one, it's keep your promises. So there are two parts of keeping promises. First, do what you say you would do. So yes, it creates trust with others and within yourself. Second is be careful what you say yes to. So your job is not to be a hero. It is to stay focused on your role and to work to your strength and know your boundaries, but apply compassion as you hold them. Number two, it's align the right level of engagement. So appropriate engagement varies from one, uh, from the executive table to an individual contributor. So there's the continuum from strategy to execution that moves from why to what to how. Number three is focus on what you can control. The circle of influence and circle of concern. Stay in your circle of influence. Number four, it's be a player and not a victim. So if you begin to feel things like, ah, oh, this isn't fair, or why didn't they meet the deadline, you are likely seeing yourself as a victim. So make sure to uh, move from victim to a player. So a player works with intention rather than being controlled by external events. Number five is know who you are and who you aren't. So keep an inventory of your strength in mind and as you plan to uh, you, you plan your work, assign yourself work that fits these strengths. Number six is first thing first. First thing first, it <laughs> comes with the <laughs> book of the seven habits. So make sure that yes, you have a good plan in your agenda so you know uh, where to fit your uh, request on your time, uh, time planning. So first thing first. Number seven, it's nurture yourself. So you can't do your best if you aren't at your best. So not that, know that you will be more effective if you eat well, focus on your physical well-being, and get at least seven hours of sleep daily. Number eight, take breaks. So it is very easy to get caught up in work and being tied to your desk is counterproductive. So taking breaks allow you a lot of times to release stress and recharge. So maybe it will be to go uh, take a nap or maybe it can be just to get some water or go for a walk or call your partner. So just get, get away from work for a few minutes several times a day. And number nine, the last one, it's don't multitask. So the idea of multitasking has somehow been given a badge of honor, but the fact is that humans don't work that way. So we are wired to do one thing and then switch tasks. So switching, switching tasks require energy to refocus. So the more we do it, the more time and energy we waste. So that gives you an idea of the nine tips to um, sharpen your self-management skills so you can be uh, more uh, effective. So that's uh, how we can see it, the self-management. So I will let Melanie close with that um, part of the 
uh, the book. Okay, so um, self-management really comes from being able to be self-aware. And so uh, if you're not sleeping well, for example, um, do you, how do you manage that? Are you not sleeping well because of stress, because of anxiety, because of too much going on? Well, I learned very early on in my life that I couldn't try and make myself go to sleep when I was too stressed. So I, what I did is I discovered the magic of lists. So when uh, you're feeling very anxious, even if it's three or four o'clock in the morning, get up, go and find a pen and paper and uh, write yourself down the things that you're worried about. Once you've written down the things that you're worried about, now you can highlight what can I control, like what is in my influence and what isn't. Because sometimes we spend so much time worrying about things that are not in our control. Once you've highlighted the things that are um, in your influence and you can start to make lists of how you can manage it, I promise you, you could actually go back to bed and go to sleep because I've done it many times. Um, and you wake up with that horrible knot in your stomach and you say, oh, what is wrong with me? And you toss and turn trying to go back to sleep. It's not going to work. And in the same way, you can help other people. Have you ever been in a situation where one of your children is worrying about something like something as simple as I've got three university choices, mom, I have no clue which one to go to. I'm so worried that I'm going to make the wrong choice. And once again, the magic of lists. what to do. Make a list of the pros and make a list of the cons. And I've even talked to some of my Tupperware people about this in the past when they're not sure which direction they want to go. Do you want to stay with Tupperware? Do you want to leave with Tupperware? What do you get from Tupperware? What don't you get? And so in an MLM business, you know, often as um, a leader in an MLM business, you you may have a situation where you are expected to help people by managing them, but everyone is their own boss. So all you can do in that situation is help them to self-manage. And by self-managing, uh, advise them to listen to positive um, music, watch positive videos, um, make sure they're sleeping better as... Um, uh, Marie-Pierre was saying. So I hope that um, our descriptions, our stories have helped you put in perspective these two really important foundation stones of emotional intelligence, self-awareness and self-management. So that concludes it for me, Marie-Pierre. And uh, I want to say thank you to everybody for being on this morning and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.